Um, I'm going to wait till she walks around the corner and I'm going to tell you all something. Uh, I shared with a few of you uh, this, this week that missing last week was very difficult for me, but also for my family. Um, last week we, we were Zooming uh, and were participating in worship and Charlie, whenever they did this dismissal time, just immediately began to cry because she was missing out on, on their class time this morning. And so I just wanted to share that with you guys, just uh, especially for those of you who, who work in that classroom, uh, that's a big deal for them. And, and so I really appreciate the work that you guys do. Um, it was it was depressing for me when I realized that I was going to still be uh, in quarantine and wouldn't be able to be here with you guys. Um, I knew I was making the right decision, but that doesn't make it easier, right? Sometimes we know what we're supposed to do, but but doing it isn't easy, and we're going to see that theme reoccur this week. But I want you guys to know that I was so encouraged by the testimonies last week. And I was also, you know, kind of nervous about, well, if we're just doing testimonies, like how long is church going to be? It's, you know, it's going to get over really quickly, and you guys talk longer than I did. So <laughs> just saying, it was fantastic. Um, I really enjoyed it, and it's you, your testimonies last week really blessed my heart. My, my emotional state coming into church and going out of church were completely different. And so I wanted to thank you guys for sharing what God was doing in your life. And I'm going to bring up a few things that were mentioned last week because one of the reasons that I was struggling was that I was really excited about the message that God had for us last week um, and, and was kind of bummed that I wasn't going to get to talk through that. But then God began to speak the same things through you guys that he was speaking to me all week. And that is always such a cool experience when the Holy Spirit does that. Because it really confirms for me and for you that we're chasing him. We're not chasing an idea or a thing, but, but chasing after God. I want to kind of recap because it's been two weeks since we left off. The, the title of the last message was Talk Less, Listen More. And that came out of James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, where James instructs the church to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And we talked about our inclination is to put more emphasis on what we think and what we feel and share that rather than, than sharing what God has to say about any particular subject. And that's not unique to our body. That's something that, that's a cultural phenomenon. We see that happening all over the world right now, but it's not just specific to our time frame either. It's actually something that has been going on for a long time. That's the very problem that James was addressing in the church. If you'll remember, we, we talked about how it was common in those early days of the church for this time to be more of a discussion-oriented uh, type event. And so there was a lot of conversation that was happening because if you'll remember, we talked about how the people that James is writing to were people that grew up in the Jewish faith and religion. Now they've seen the work of Jesus. They've chosen to believe that he's the Messiah and that changed their understanding of who God was. And so it was good for them to have these discussions as they're wrestling through their theology. And theology is just a fancy way of saying these are the words that we use to describe what we believe. And so here's this group of people who have grown up in one faith tradition. Jesus has come and he's flipped that on, it, on its head. And now they're talking through, what does that mean for life? How do I apply that to my right now living? And as you can imagine, people became very passionate about their viewpoints to the point where we're going to see later in the book of James, where James describes these discussions as wars. And that's some strong language. And so James is telling the church, in light of all of what I've just said, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We're going to see James further develop this idea today. 
as we look at this passage this morning, I want to remind us again, because today it's going to be particularly easy to turn what James is talking about, what we're going to discuss, into a to-do list. And I want to remind us that our goal in this study is not to create a new to-do list. Our goal in this study is to grow in our relationship with Jesus as we experience him. And then we respond to his activity as we respond our faith, our true faith, is developed in us. So what we're talking about today is going to be about doing things, okay? It's going to be so easy for us to walk out of here with a mental checklist and our, our focus is just on doing the things but not the reason why we're doing them. And so I want to, I want to very purposefully this morning get our, our brains, our spirits, our hearts pointed in the right direction, okay? Let's look this morning, read along with me. We're going we're gonna to continue on in James chapter 1. We're going to read verses 22 through 25, and then we're going to break that down and see what the Lord has for us this morning. James says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his face, his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and, does not for, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. I titled today's message similarly to the previous message because I want us to make the connection between these two things. So last, the last message was talk less, listen more. Today we're going to talk about talking less and doing more, Okay. In both sermon titles, there's a negative and a positive. In both, the negative is in our talking, and the positive is in our listening and our doing. Just like we have a tendency to talk about what we think, what we feel, we just recovered that. Just like we have that same tendency, we also have the same tendency to talk about what we're going to do. I was thinking about this weekend, I had a friend growing up that always talked about what she was fitting to do. Okay, let me spell that for you. F-I-N dash d-a wait no i did it wrong f-i-d dash n-a dash d-o fitting to do okay she always talked about what she was fitting to do and what was interesting is that what she said she was fitting to do she never actually did she would use that phrase in like if you say that one more time let me tell you what i'm fitting to do okay but that stuff never really happened i think all of us have the same proclivity when it comes to what actually doing what god says to do our intention, our desire, I think deep down, our desire is to walk in obedience. But often, I don't know about you, but I find myself falling short in that. James heard Jesus speak directly about the necessity of actually doing what God says to do. And he, he see, he, James, remember we talked about, when James is, is teaching the church, he's teaching them things that he heard Jesus say. And so as he's addressing this problem within the churches of people just getting fired up and doing a lot of talking, he's saying you need to listen and you need to do what God says. And I want to share some examples today of what James would have heard Jesus talk about. We're going to start the today in Luke chapter 11, verses, 21, or verses 27 through 28. It says, as he was speaking, talking about Jesus, a woman in the crowd called out, God bless your mother. The womb from which you came and the breast that you nursed. And Jesus replied, But even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Any idea what, James, what Jesus was doing when this woman calls out to him? 
If you go back and look at Scripture, the whole chapter 11 prior to this is Jesus teaching people, discipling people, explaining to them the truth about who God is. Remember, Jesus steps onto the stage in a time where religion just had come about to be just a lot of things that people did. They were just going through the motion. Remember, we've talked about in, in our studies of Exodus and Ecclesiastes, and as we've spent so much time in the Old Testament, and even in the book of Hebrews, how God for 400 years was silent because people just had forgotten who God was. And so Jesus is now explaining. I want you to think about this, one, this for a moment. This woman is experiencing, we talked about this last week, that Jesus was the Word made flesh. And so here is Jesus explaining who God is. And she's getting fired up about it. And so her, you know, just like we yell when we're at a, a football game or a baseball game or we're watching it on TV, we get fired up about what's happening. That's what's going on with this woman. She's getting excited and the only thing she knows to do is to say, bless the woman who gave birth to this man. Jesus, as he's revealing all this, he hears the woman. And while her intention was in the right place, her understanding was incorrect. And I didn't notice this until late last night. And I want to point this out to you guys. This woman says that Jesus' mother is blessed because of her association with Jesus. She's saying that this woman, should, she's blessing her because she's the mother of Jesus. And Jesus counters that and says, no, blessed is the one who hears the word of God and then puts it into practice. Anybody notice the two verbs that are in that command? If you got the outline open today, you can see I've got them underlined. Listening and doing. Listen to that verse again. Jesus replied, Blessed even more all those who hear the word and then put it into practice. Listening and doing. I didn't realize that when I titled these two messages. Jesus doesn't say blessed is the one who hears. He says blessed is the one who hears and then puts it into practice. One of my commentaries I read over the last two weeks, now I've been working on this for two weeks, talked about the difference between a student and an auditor. If you've, if you've been to college you probably, or you understand what it looks like to sit as a student in a college course. This guy that's, that's writing this commentary is a college professor. Raise your hand if you've ever audited a class in college. Anybody? Bethany did? Okay. Anybody else? Did Sarah, did you raise your hand? You've been to college already? No? Okay. All right. The difference between a student and an auditor is a student pays a lot of money to get into that class, right? And the expectation when you take that class is that you're going to do all the things that the professor tells you. That means you're going to take tests, you're going to have homework assignments, you're going to have a lot of reading that you got to do, and the professor is going to hold you accountable to that, and at the end, that professor is going to grade your performance. When you audit a class, none of that happens. You pay a little bit of money, and you just sit and you listen, and there's hardly any interaction between the auditor and the professor, and the professor has no ability to hold that person who's auditing the class accountable to anything. What this commentator is, is pointing out is that there is uh, a distinct difference between a person who hears and does and a person that is there only to hear. The auditor mentality is rampant in churches today where people come, their investment is small because they just showed up and they just listen and then they walk out the doors and nothing has changed. 
So many come to church, they hear the word, and then they leave the service and they forget what was said. There's no attempt at application. And then we wonder why the global church is in such bad shape. I'll admit it's easy to point fingers at other churches, but let's get real for one another, with one another for just a moment. Let's get real vulnerable. Something's been worrying me lately. It's something that I've had some conversations with a few people about. We've been sending out a lot more people than we've been bringing in. Have you all noticed that? David and Leah, at some point in the future, God's going to send them to Baton Rouge. And our numbers are getting smaller. Let me also say that we've talked at length about playing the long game. And what I mean by that is by purposefully developing and investing in long-term relationships. And sometimes that takes a long time. And that's okay. I'm not, I'm not knocking that. We need to continue to do that. God's called us to do that. But I have to ask myself, and I have to ask you, are we really doing that? Are we making those long-term investments? My worry is that we've gotten really good at talking about doing those things, but not actually doing it. If you'll remember, probably four years ago is when Glenn introduced the blessed acrostic. We talked a lot about it for a long time. The blessed acrostic is bless, begin with prayer, listen to them, eat with them, serve them, and share the gospel, right? But are we doing that? Is that still part of who we are? I fear that we've become complacent with just being associated with Jesus. The problem in our lives, or the people in our lives, know that we follow Jesus. And that's all the effort that we put in. The problem is that Jesus says that's not the point. He doesn't want us to just be known. He wants us to love people. He wants us to disciple people. He wants us to serve people. He makes that clear when the woman calls out to him, right? She says, blessed is the mother of this man. And he says, no, blessed is the one who hears what I have to say and puts it into practice. Look back with me at what James is saying in verse 22 through 24. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. So church, we have to ask ourselves, have we forgotten who we are? Who and what Jesus has called us as the Gathering Place West to be? What has he asked us to be? Look at Matthew chapter 5. This is a verse or a set of verses that we are all very familiar with. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that may, they may see, look at this, they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. We are to be the salt and the light in the world. That's who God has called us to be. In verse 16, that word for works that I pointed out means, it's a verb that means work or task or deeds. Jesus is telling us that by doing what he instructs, we will become salt and light. 
Another one of my commentaries this week said this. He said, it's not enough to hear the word. We must do it. Many people have mistaken the idea that hearing a good sermon or Bible study is what makes them grow and get God's blessing. It's not the hearing, but the doing that brings the blessing. Too many Christians mark their Bibles, but their Bibles never mark them. If you think you are spiritual because you hear the word, then you are only kidding yourself. The intent of the word is to redeem us, to change us back into God's likeness. And the only way that happens is if we obey what God is telling us to do. In the same way that a mirror is intended for us to be able to look at ourselves and to make ourselves as clean and tidy as possible. I don't know about you, but this morning when I got out of the bed, my hair was like this. And the only reason it looks the way it does now is because I looked in a mirror. Right? That's the point. And the same is true of our relationship with God. The purpose is for us to look at Him and for us to see the condition that we are in. And just like when I looked in that mirror and saw that my hair was crazy, I did something about it. Right? There's a regimen that I have to do. It starts with a shower. Okay? The same is true in our spiritual lives. That as we study the Word, as we spend time with God, there's going to be things that become obvious that need to be fixed in our lives. And the cool thing is we don't have to try to figure out what that thing is. God's going to tell us. Our only responsibility is to just handle it. To do what he says to do. James warns that there's three mistakes. I just said three. Three mistakes that people make as they look into God's mirror. First, he says they merely glance at themselves. They don't carefully study themselves as they read the word. This commentator said many sincere believers read a chapter of the Bible each day, but it's only a religious exercise and they fail to profit from it personally. Their conscience would bother them if they didn't have their daily reading when actually their conscience should bother them because they read the word carelessly. He said the second mistake they make is that they forget what they see. If we're looking deeply enough into our hearts, what would we see would be unforgettable. Remember how saints in the Bible responded to the true knowledge in their own hearts? Think about Isaiah. When Isaiah stands before the Lord and he sees the seraphim, what does he say? He says, woe is me for I am undone. Or Peter who cried out, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Or Job who was the most righteous man that's ever lived and he confessed, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Mistake number three is that they fail to obey what the word tells them to do. They think that hearing is the same as doing, and it's not. We Christians enjoy substituting reading for doing or even talking for doing. We hold endless committee meetings and conferences about topics like evangelism and church growth, and we think we've made pro pro progress. While there's certainly nothing wrong with conferences or committee meetings, they are sinful if they are a substitute for actual service. Church, we're all aware that the world doesn't need more noise, right? We talked about that last, uh, two weeks ago. There are plenty of people that have a lot to say. I was listening to some music yesterday, um, and the Holy Spirit just highlighted this line for me. It was um, a, a Pat Barrett song. I was listening to his album. The song was called So Real. And the line that just jumped out at me said, true religion is camera shy. I thought, wow, that was, I don't know who wrote that, if that was him or somebody else. That's a good lyric. 
Well, the goal of our activity of our doing is not to gain a bunch of attention for ourselves. Don't get me wrong. Jesus is clear that people will notice, but not because we've marketed ourselves well. You know, we don't want to be the, the type of people who are going to, you know, serve the community while got the Instagram out getting a selfie, right? That's not the point. People are going to notice because they're being loved in a way that they've never experienced before. They're going to notice because we've become salt, right? Joshua and I were having a discussion the other day. Joshua makes homemade bread, and it's fantastic. You should be jealous. Um, and we were, and, and recipes are always evolving, right? And we were talking about this bread he made last night. I was like, it felt like it needed a little bit more salt. And he said, well, how do you know? I was like, I don't know. It just, you can just tell when it's not there, right? In the same vein, I made some gravy last night, and I'm, I'm making it, and I'm tasting it, and I'm seasoning it, and all of a sudden, I tasted it again. It was like, whoa, that is way too salty. i got to dilute that down a little bit, kind of back up for a second. We notice when salt's missing, or we notice when there's too much. But when the salt is just right, we don't realize it's the salt. We just go, man, this food is great when things are seasoned properly. Church, that's what God wants us to be in the world. He wants people to look around, people whose lives you're involved in, they go, man, this is incredible. And they may not initially be able to point to why it's incredible, but the Holy Spirit is going to continue to work in their lives and they're eventually going to see it, not because you marketed yourself, but because they're going to get to see the truth about who God is because you are doing what God has called you to do. Jesus set the example for this kind of love during his final moments with the disciples. We've read this before. I want us to see it again because I want to I point out exactly what Jesus says. John chapter 13, verses 12 through 17, it says, When Jesus had washed their feet, he put on his outer clothing. He reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should, just, you should do just as I have done for you. Truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I'm sure you've considered this, but I'm going to ask just in case. Why would Jesus do this particular act? Why washing feet? This was the lowest of all jobs. Even Jewish slaves were not required to wash other people's feet. And yet Jesus chooses that act to do for his disciples. What's he trying to communicate? He's revealing to his disciples in the most practical of ways just how big his love is. He's saying to them, I am willing to do for you what you won't even require a slave to do. Jesus was serving them in a way that blew their minds. Do you remember Peter's response? He's like, no, 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 you're not washing my feet. They understood after this moment in a deeper way the love that God had for them. Church, if we can't follow Jesus' example of dying to ourselves, we can never claim that we live for him. I love the testimony last week, and, and I wrote in here, I believe it was David Hill, and it was funny, we were talking about it right before prayer, and, or after prayer, and I said, hey, by the way, you said this thing last week, and I'm going to mention it, and so I said what I thought he said, and he's like, I said that? I hope I said that. He said that he was praying for the will to be faithful, 
and to choose to do what God says. Y'all, that, that spoke to me so much last week. There are areas in every one of our lives that need that prayer. There are areas where the Lord has spoken for us to do something and we need to be praying for the will to be faithful and to choose to do what God is telling us to do. Yours and mine may be different, but all of us have areas in our lives where we are still not willing to obey what God is saying. We can talk about abiding until we're blue in the face, but until we're in a place where we have the will to obey God's command, it's just talk. Look at verse 25 in James 1 again. He says, but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not, is not a forgetful hearer but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Church, it doesn't matter what we intend to do. God doesn't care what you finna do. It doesn't matter to him. If we're really a people of true faith, we will obey what God asks us to do, no matter what the cost is. Look at how Jesus addresses those who don't do what he says. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my word, and acts on them. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when the flood came, the river crashed against the house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it and immediately it collapsed and the destruction of that house was great. This right here is why pastors, lay people, churches falter. It's because their foundation has not been dug. Their lives and ministries are all centered around talking about ministry, yet they never really do much of anything of value. It's easy to point at others, but if we examine our own lives, if we take stock of what we have done in obedience, where do we stand? Where do you personally stand? For years we've been talking things about like being committed to community, about blessing others, about joining God to set people free about sharing God's love in a broken world, about sharing our stories of redemption. If we do those things, our church will grow, not shrink. I want to be absolutely clear because I don't want anybody to be confused. This is not about numbers. You know that of our elders and of me. That's not our goal. The thing that I want you to understand that this is about us looking at the words that God has given us, TGP West, over the last several years and asking God, have I obeyed what you said? I was so encouraged by Lizzie's testimony last week. God was speaking the same things to her that he's been speaking to me. Specifically, she mentioned engaging people who have become disconnected. And there are a number of people and the reasons are various who have become disconnected from our body. They're not attending church somewhere else. They're just not going. And again, the reasons are various. But church, God's called us to live in community. But are we really doing that? Can we say that we're living in community if there are people that have, have stopped coming and we haven't reached out to them? If we were living in community, those people wouldn't still be disconnected. Are we blessing people? Are we inviting them to join us in our community? 
Are we digging a foundation or are we just playing house in hopes that nobody notices that we don't have a foundation? Church, this is a strong word for us. It's a strong word for me. Part of the reason I was so disappointed last week that I couldn't be here is that I needed to get this off my chest. Not to say it to you so that the burden was off of me, but I needed to say it out loud among people that I know and love. I needed to say this to you in my community so that we can together work towards the goals that God's given us. I was stuck at home with a word from God to reach out, and that was hard. But as I was sitting there Sunday morning, God showed me two different people that have become disconnected. And you know what? I might have been quarantined at the house, but my phone still works. So I called them and had some great conversations. Let me tell you another quick story that I'm really excited about. So just to kind of give you a little where things were happening. Sunday, I was still technically under quarantine. Monday, my quarantine ended and I tested and was negative. And I had a conference that I was supposed to be at in Alabama. I was supposed to leave right after church Sunday. Didn't do that. So I drove over. And I didn't really know what to expect out of this conference. I've never been before. It's with people, a lot of them I know, a lot of them I don't know. Um, And it was just a lot of unknowns. But I've already paid the money, or Petron had already paid the money for me to be there. So I load up and I drive over there. And the last night, the last evening event, as I'm hanging out with people, I notice a guy that I haven't seen in years. He retired from his, his family business. And he, he's like, hey, Will. And I said, hey, man, how you doing? And so we, I walked over and we began to talk. And he said, how are things going? And so I gave the standard answers that one gives to that kind of question, just making small talk. And then I reciprocated the same question. And he said, man, things are good. He said, you know, I, I highly recommend retirement. It's fantastic. He said, I've been working with a couple of nonprofits. And that piqued my interest. I was like, oh, really? What, what, which, which nonprofits? And so he named two that are right here in central Louisiana. And so as we began to talk and I asked more questions, I began to see this overlap that's happening in the, the things that he's doing and the things that I'm doing. And then he begins to talk about how God's been speaking in his life and calling him to do these things and how that works affecting him. Y'all, I didn't even know this guy was a believer. There's nothing in his life that would make me think that he wasn't a believer, but I just didn't know him at that level. And so we start having these conversations and it ends with him going, man, would you, would you pray about joining me on this board at this organization? I'm like, yeah, I'll pray about it, man. We'll see what God says. Y'all, I didn't expect that. But the Holy Spirit knew what, was, what he was doing. And he put both of us in the right place at the right time. And our hearts were primed and ready to have a conversation. And those kinds of stories are not unique to just me. That doesn't just happen to the pastor. You guys share stories like that all the time. Maggie shared some stories today about how God's interconnecting her with the people that she needs in her life. But it's not enough for us to just see those things And share the story and then forget that they happened. We have to invest. I have to actually do what I said I was going to do, which was praying about being on this board. And that's going to be a huge time requirement for me. And thank goodness I'm not the one that has to make the decision. God willing, and he'll make the time work out. Joining God in what he's doing is at the very foundation of who we are. It's why TGP was founded. Many of us in this room have had our fill of dead religion. But I want you to understand what James is talking about, what God is saying, is that if we choose to do what God says, 
if we choose, excuse me, if we cease to do what God says, we are turning ourselves back to dead religion. Our faith and our relationship with God will only grow as, he, as we do what he asks us to do. I want to read verse 25 again. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Church, if we, de- if we want to develop true faith, we must talk less and do more. Today, I want you to let this message sink deep inside of you. Be intentional today about asking God what he's been asking you to do. Don't leave here and immediately forget what God has been talking about today. Don't be that guy who looks in the mirror and walks away and forgets who he is. Be intentional. Take the time at Life Group this week to dig into what God has specifically spoken to you about today. Let your people know what God is saying. And if you're struggling with it, talk about that. Let them encourage you and help you as you step out in obedience. Intentionally move beyond the surface level conversations. We're guilty of that, church. We can get together and hang out. We talk about the food and recipes and and the little things that are going on in life. But the stuff that you're struggling with, dig into that. I'd be willing to bet that there's a particular task or person that has been on your mind all morning. That God's been talking to you about maybe for years, and you just haven't stepped out in obedience. Don't put off what God is saying. If it can be done today, do it today. It's by doing what God says that we're going to be blessed by God. Just hearing this word today and feeling convicted or challenged isn't enough. We're missing the point if we don't do what God's called us to do. I would suggest that your life group take some time Take a few minutes this week and pray for those that have become disconnected, those that have just stopped coming to your life group. Pray for them and then reach out to them and join God in whatever he tells you to do to help them get reconnected. It's time both metaphorically and perhaps literally to wash some people's feet, to die to ourselves and say, Jesus, no matter what the cost, I'm going to do what you ask me to do. We needed to take the time this week to bless people. Begin with prayer, listen to them, eat with them, serve them, share the gospel. If you've forgotten that process, get it cranked back up today. Start with prayer. Let's pray. God, such a strong challenge for me personally today. Father, I'm so thankful for the work that you're doing in our church. And I'm thankful for a, a body that's willing to to wash people's feet, to do the hard things. God, as we are all examining our own hearts, I ask that your spirit would be super clear today with where we stand. God, that you would reveal to us the the places in our lives where we've just not been obedient. God, I, I pray, I join David in praying that you would give us the will to be faithful, to choose to do what you're asking us to do. Father, open up our hearts and our minds to see your activity. Give us the strength, the courage, whatever is necessary to step out in obedience. It's in your name we pray. Amen.